You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Hello, this is Adriana Linares coming to you from the Florida Bar Annual Convention. I'm going to do a special report on the Legal Talk Network today. With me today, I'm very excited to talk to Mr. Brian Tenenbaum. Hey, Brian. Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for taking the time to stop and chat with us. You've been pretty busy autographing your book, which I'm going to ask you about in a few minutes. But before I do, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and what you do as a Florida lawyer? Well, thank you for having me. I have been a member of the Florida Bar. I'm in my 21st year now. I started as a criminal defense lawyer and then started representing lawyers in disciplinary matters, which is now most of my practice. And I also serve on several uh, bar committees. I'm a former member of the Criminal Rules Committee, former chair of the Traffic Court Rules Committee, uh, former member of a grievance committee, and I currently serve on the executive council of the criminal law section. That's pretty interesting. So I don't think I've ever talked to a lawyer that does what you do. So when a lawyer gets in trouble with the bar, you're the type of guy they would call. Correct. And it's interesting that you say that because when I go to cocktail parties and people say, oh, you're a lawyer, what kind of law do you practice? I say, well, I represent lawyers and there's always this long pause. And then <laughs> right. they say, what, what is that? Lawyers need lawyers. And I explain to them, yes, that people complain about lawyers and lawyers need help responding to the bar and dealing with those kind of proceedings. And that's what I do. Yeah, that's a funny thing. As a non-lawyer, I definitely don't think about it that way, but it, you just made me think, well, doctors have to go to doctors when they have a problem, so I guess it makes perfect sense. Right. It's just a little different with lawyers because obviously some of them feel like they can handle it themselves because they're sure. a lawyer, yeah. but the smart ones are the ones that say, listen, I, I think I need to get some advice from someone who actually knows how this process works. And a lot of that experience not only comes from you actually practicing in that area, but you were, like you mentioned earlier, on the disciplinary review. So you actually understand how the whole process works. So I spent three years on a grievance committee investigating lawyers, and I got to sit around with bar counsel and other lawyers and talk about, you know, is there probable cause? Did a violation actually occur? And so I understand how these conversations take place behind closed doors right. with the bar. Ah, yeah, you're like a secret weapon. Um, in the last full Florida Bar podcast that we did. We actually interviewed Adria and Michelle Suskauer, who are, you know, and they walked us through the process and had some pretty interesting pieces of advice. Um, I'm going to ask you from your perspective, not from inside the bar, but now that you're, you know, representing lawyers who have gotten in trouble, what is kind of the main issue or a common theme that you see them coming and saying, okay, I, you know, I had a, a claim brought against me for this. What are the two or three main things that you see? It's a great question. Most people People say that they believe lawyers get in trouble for trust account violations mm-hmm. more than anything else, but that's not true. The most uh, serious type of complaint I see is, or most often, is client communication. Yeah. Uh, so a client will complain and say, you know, my lawyer hasn't called me, he didn't come to court on time, he didn't explain this to me. A lot of them center around communication, and then they get more serious. For example, if a lawyer uh, is sanctioned by a court, uh, that's happening more often. Appellate courts and trial courts are sanctioning lawyers for their conduct. Wow. Uh, and the bar is asking lawyers, you know, to respond to that type of conduct. So the main things I see are lack of communication, lack of diligence, and just outright behavior that courts are finding uh, unacceptable. Wow, that's very interesting. So after you've helped them, do you advise them in any way to, of, of ways to prevent this from happening again? Or does the whole process kind of take care of that? Well, they always kick themselves and say, <laughs> you know, maybe if I would have done this, maybe if I would have done that. One of the perfect examples I can give is that when there's a fee dispute, I will always say to the lawyer, you know, send me a copy of your retainer agreement 
and I hear silence on the other end, and then the response is, well, we didn't have a retainer agreement. Uh, And so we have that conversation. I say, listen, I know you know the client, you know their family, you've had a long relationship, but this is why you're in this situation. Wow. No, that's very interesting. So do you think that a lot of those experiences and um, advice that you've given and counseling that you've done and learning that you've done have trans formed itself into your book, which I'm holding up and our readers can't see, but now I'm going to ask you about it. Is a lot of that stuff in here? Or tell me about um, the practice, Brutal Truths About Lawyers and Lawyering, which everyone that I know has read your book, and I haven't, I bought it from you today, and thank you for autographing it for me, um, loves this book. So what's in here, and what do people like about it so much? So I started uh, blogging in 2005, and uh, wow, eventually... early on. Yes. Yeah. Um, eventually, I was asked to write for Above the Law, uh-huh. and I wrote for them for two years. And in the middle of that time, the American Bar Association called me and said, you know, we've been reading some of your stuff. We like it. Would you like to have a book? And I said, I don't know. And so they said, well, why don't we talk about it? And we wound up, you know, signing a contract. And it took me two years to put the book together. And the book is basically a collection of my thoughts about the practice of law, a lot of what I've written on Above the Law. And uh, so there's everything in there from marketing to social media to networking to ethics to, you know, leaving the practice of law. Uh, Everything I think that a lawyer would, would like to know about running, building, growing a practice is in the book. And you have a very successful practice. Are you, you're not a solo. I think you're with one other Yes, lawyer. I have a partner. So you're a, a small firm. Yes. And seemingly successful. So that means you've obviously done a good job. And a lot of that advice is, is probably packed in here, I'd say. Well, it's my 20 years of practice that's in the book. And what I always tell people is it's not going to work for everybody. But yeah. in that book is something for everybody, whether it's, you know, what type of law do you really want to practice, which I think is a question lawyers aren't being asked today. I agree with you. Even That's a funny thing from a consulting side. It's always the first thing I ask when they come to me with, you know, looking for technology help. Right. So there's that in there. And then there's, you know, understanding how social media works and how it doesn't work. But I think the overwhelming theme of my book is that regardless of everything that's out there, I think technology is important. I think social media is important, but we can still practice law the way we used to in the sense that relationships matter, yep. ethics matter, and we still have reputations that we need to keep and we need to understand that those reputations are the same offline as they are online. So Brian, are you a technology curmudgeon? Well, that's the real secret. Uh, (laughs) People that know me say, wait a second, Brian, you're on every social media medium. Uh, You have a smartphone. Uh, I've seen you with an iPad when you're (laughs) selling your book. You seem pretty tech savvy. So what are you talking about? Uh, What I'm talking about is that I believe that lawyers who are afraid of technology uh, don't need to fear it. And number two, need to understand that there's still a way to practice law without getting overwhelmed with the fact that there's all this technology. And what I said before about what type of law do you want to practice, you also need to understand that you don't have to buy every piece of technology that's out there. It may not work for your practice. And I couldn't agree with you more. You know, you and I could probably be best friends on this topic. So, and the reason I asked you jokingly is I opened up your book to a chapter called The Technology Curmudgeon Gives His Technology Secrets, which I think you just did. So that's pretty cool. Aside from being um, a successful lawyer and having a cool kind of practice, I bet it's pretty interesting. And now being an ABA author, you're also well known for being a wine connoisseur of sorts. Do you want to just tell me a little bit about your love for wine? Because I like reading your posts and and learning about wine from you. Well, one of the things I wrote about in the book was called Get a Hobby. And wine is my hobby. I've been into wine for a while. And in 2011, 
I decided to take the test to become a certified sommelier for absolutely no reason other than I wanted to take the test. Uh, and so I did. And it's become a big part of my life. I collect wine. I share it with friends. And as I tell people now, uh, people ask me more about wine than they do about law. I just recently wrote a three-part series for a lawyerist yeah. uh, on wine. And so it's become kind of a secondary part of my life. And it, it's interesting because I meet great people. Oh, I bet. And I bet. It's, it's just another way to network and another way to meet people. And I have a lot of fun with it. Did you see some? I did. Did you like it? I love the movie. When it came out in Miami, they asked me if I would do a tasting for That's the opening awesome. night. And I did it, and I thought it was, obviously, it's a documentary, so it was a true story about people that became master sommeliers. Yeah, and I'll, I'll just mention to our readers, and I, you know, I asked you not even really knowing if you had seen it or it become one of those little, but Psalm is a documentary that was either Netflix, I don't know if I saw it on Netflix. It was or on, on iTunes. Oh, it was on iTunes. Okay. Yes. So it's just SOM, which is short. And what they go through to become sommeliers is really incredible. Yes. So you did that. I, I became a certified sommelier, which is like the bachelor's degree. Wow. They basically got a PhD. Oh, my gosh. Wow. That's great. Well, that's really exciting and interesting. What other cool things do we need to know about Brian Tenenbaum? What's your Twitter handle? It's my first initial and last name. The most important thing to know is that there's no third end. So it's B-T-A-N-N-E-B-A-U-M. Uh, and I'm very active on Twitter. Uh, I'm not a very good follower, but I do like to talk about different things. I don't market my practice on Twitter. I just like to talk about things that are going on in the world, and I like to have fun with people. And how can listeners, aside from Twitter, either get a hold of you or learn more about your practice? Well, there's a website called Google, uh, <laughs> which I talk about in the book, and they can look me up. I always answer emails. People call my office. I'm happy to talk to people. I love to talk to lawyers about their practices. That's great. Well, it's been a real pleasure chatting with you, Brian. Really appreciate you coming by, and good luck with your book. And and, you know, like I said, I like hearing about your, your wine and opinions and advice and, and really appreciate you stopping by. Thank you very much for having me. You're welcome. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.